the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. For those living in the land of the shadow of death, the light has dawned. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. On a night long ago in the town of Bethlehem, there were shepherds tending to their fields and watching their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified. Don't be afraid, the angel said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Then a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and all authority will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. O come, let us adore him. All right. Good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas. We're one week away from, uh, from the actual eve of, and uh, I'm so, how many of y'all are excited to just, to just celebrate Jesus and, and, and you, know, with, you know, hang out with family? I see many faces, you know, a uh, bunch of our old youth coming back and just hanging out here. That's awesome. They're keeping their faith, and they're back here uh, today. So awesome. Um, you, you know, like how, how many of y'all have prepared your heart to really think about what's happening this season, the events surrounding the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ? How many, how many, how many of y'all are, are really ready and are celebrating this Advent, this waiting to see this coming King? My hope today, as we, as we look at Matthew 2, is that we would, we would get a, a glimpse and discover and perhaps apply what the wise men applied as they saw and as they discovered who this coming king is. I'll be honest with you. Um, my, my wife and I, you know, like we gave birth to our son, second born, and, um, you, you know, uh, my wife's really tired. In fact, last night we didn't, have uh, good sleep, especially her, and so greet her today and, and talk to her uh, and uh, just uh, smile at her today. <laughs> Don't make her mad. Uh, but 
lately, you know, like we've just, we've haven't, we haven't been feeling the Christmas, you know, uh, sparkle, if you may, the magic, you know, feeling like a, you know, the Scrooge or the Grinch. You know, maybe because, you know, we're a little bit tired, right? You know, if you're new parents, you know that, some of you. And, and um, plus, we didn't have snow until today, actually. It, it, and it seems like, to me, I'm a brown guy, and I'm not being racist. But brown Christmas is not my thing. In fact, I remember 2011 was the last brown Christmas in Lloydminster, and I remember that uh, more than any other because it was not, I was depressed. <laughs> I need to see the white snow, fluffy and everything. That's how I get into this Christmas magic. But, um, and so finally, this week, uh, early this week, um, my wife finally propped up the tree. And I wish there was a picture because I'm very proud about how our tree looks. It looks amazing. And my wife did a good job. But we finally have a Christmas tree. And this week, we're going to go shopping. For, uh, for gifts, um, just applying, you know, the text that I have for you today. And so, kind of, that's kind of where we are. And then, as I prepare for this sermon, man, this just got me ready for really celebrating the events and, and the details that surround the coming of our Lord and our Savior. Here's my opening question for you as we get into the text today. What kind of a leader would you put your absolute trust in? What kind of a leader would they have to be for you to say, oh yeah, I will work for this guy. He will be, he will be my boss. I'll follow him. I'll never complain or quit. Even if he puts an immense responsibility and pressure, I will still follow after. Yup, I'm all in. What kind of a leader would, you, would they have to be for you to follow that person? There are probably very few of us who, who would say yes to this, you know, at a job or at a career. We've all had a crappy job, crappy bosses. For, for, for example, back in high school, my buddy and I, I actually got him a job at a, one of the grocery stores here in town. And um, we both got hired at the same day. And... Six months later, we both got fired on the same day. Can you believe it? What a good friend, right? I follow him, you know, I get him a job, and then I follow him whenever, wherever, whenever something bad happens. Both of us, we're in this, we're in it together. Um, and and um, two months later, I realized I needed to get my eyes checked because I could not even see the barcodes to be able to stock the groceries that I'm working with. And the same was with my friends. I had my prescription glasses for like a couple of years and did not know that I was so slow at my job because of my own glasses. And so, you know, whatever, friends, right? Oh, crappy job, whatever, screw that place. That's all we said about it. We'll find another job that's gonna be awesome. And but what if there is someone worthy to put all our trust in? Who could this be? And if you find someone deserving of, of, of all your allegiance, what kind of response would you give to a perfect 
totally awesome and loving leader. What kind of a leader would you put your absolute, absolute trust in? And so we come to the stories of Christmas. There's a lot of stories, a lot of, a lot of people, the angels, and, and, and God revealed uh, the, 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 the Messiah to the coming of the king. You know, we see, we see before we get to our text, there is the, uh, the birth of Jesus in the manger. At the time of Caesar Augustus' decree, Joseph and Mary goes from Nazareth to Bethlehem and Judah, and Jesus was born in a manger because there was no other place they could find. And then there's the shepherd who visited them, who the angels revealed that, the news of this coming king. Humble shepherds come to visit him and worships him. Look at the response. And then a week after that, the baby was then dedicated at the eighth day, and the, a devout Jewish man, Simeon, blesses Jesus, and both Joseph and Mary were so amazed by what was being spoken over their child. We see that in Luke 2. I, I actually want to see that because that would, that would give us a little bit of, of, of text to think about this Christmas. Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you have promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people, Israel. As we come and gather around the word of the Lord this morning, I ask you, what have been the thoughts of your heart surrounding this season in which we find the most important person in history being born? What is your proper response, your attitude, as we contemplate the events of the birth of Jesus. You might be here listening to these stories for the first time, and these stories just come to life and speak to you in a profound way. Man, this is amazing. Or you might be here sitting, and, and you've gone to church all your life, but, but, but these don't move you anymore. There's, there's some season of spiritual dryness, perhaps, in your life. Or perhaps because of some hard things that happen in your life, disappointment and lost because of those things that make you just feel stuck in the situations. No matter where you are today, I believe this Christmas season is given to us by God to orient us back to the light and life of Christ. And my prayer is that you will give ear to what God wants to do in your life today and this season. And so we come, we consider the characters in which Matthew portrays in the text as people who would either respond properly or poorly to what's revealed to them. How would you respond to a totally awesome, perfect, loving leader? After the time of Jesus' dedication in the temple, the family settles in a home. And so at this time, no longer in a manger, some wise men visits from the east visits the baby, Jesus. And so we come to the text. Matthew 2, 
Chapter one, uh, verse 1, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising and have come to worship him. As we see here, Matthew doesn't tell us when exactly Jesus was born or how much time after his birth that the wise men came. But what we see here is where geographically and who is in power politically. And the quest of these men to get to the one born king of the Jews. It wasn't only the wise men that were looking for Jesus. And so why are these powerful men seemingly desperate to see the baby Jesus? Have you ever thought that? First, let's see who the wise men are. Let's, 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 let's draw a picture here. There, there's a lot that we don't know about the wise men. I mean, they were called the magi. They, they, they studied, you know, astrology and, and, and a lot of different things. They were, they were pagan. A lot, but a lot about them is, is, is um, we don't really know. I mean, we have songs, we have carols that are, that are additionals and according to some tradition. But it doesn't say in the text that they were even kings. You know, sorry to, you know, burst the bubble a little bit. They, they, they weren't, you know, revealed that in, in, in the text. There weren't even three kings you know, um, but we can deduce that from the many, uh, how many gifts that they gave. And so we just, we just assume that. But they, that was not, the number of them was not revealed. It doesn't say that they hung around the manger. And it doesn't say that their names, what their names were and where they were from. All we know is they were from the east. But what we do know in our text today is what's revealed to us. It tells us that they are from the east. And, and, and we can imply that possibly anywhere from Babylon, from Persia, from Egypt, or the Arabian Desert. And so there's a map there. And so any of those areas could be where they came from. We know that they had wealth that resembled royalty through what kind of gifts they would give, as Pastor Mike talks about. It tells us that these men were educated in the study of the, of, of the stars and know a little bit about the Old Testament, enough of the prophecies about the coming king of the Jews. We don't know how they got to this, but somehow they knew enough. And I want to touch on that today. Because the contrast between the people that we're going to see is that a bunch, a bunch of them knew a lot but didn't do anything about it. And then th there's these guys who knew something and they did something about it. And so here we see King Herod in verse 3. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. You know, the great tyrant, as, the, uh, as uh, Pastor Mike talked about, he was called the great by the Jewish historian Josephus from the first century A.D. in his historical writing. Perhaps, you know, let me be the devil's advocate today. Maybe he did deserve the title for some of his accomplishments. Because look at his accomplishments here. First, he cons the consolidation of the Roman rule over the Jews. I mean, he was the ruler that was propped up for this region. 
And so Herod impressed Rome with this ability to, to, to stop the Jews from revolting, you know. It's, it's a relative peace that he sort of provided be, between the two Romans and the, and the Jewish peoples. He was capable of collecting taxes. Um, and so he built, he built forts. And, and here's an interesting thing. He instituted, you know, the games and he rebuilt the Jerusalem temple. This is the exact same Herod. And so maybe he did deserve some of that. But as we see in the text, what God cares about and how God sees us is different from how we evaluate people. We see Herod summoning both religious um, and legal bodies in order to find where the baby was. Why is he trying to find Jesus? And so in verse 4, it says there, he assembled all the chief priests and the scribes of the people and asked them where the Messiah would be born. And so here, here's a picture, you know, Herod meeting with the chief priests and the scribes. Why are these powerful men searching to find this baby? What is so special about him? Verse 5, in Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet, they're replying to, to, to Herod's um, question. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. The details that they needed to know, they were able to know. Right away, oh, that coming Messiah, yep, Bethlehem of Judah. And they would even say all of these other details. Do you notice what's going on here? The highly ranking, highly educated, prestigious group of people, that is the priests and the scribes, the top religious leaders and lawyers of the day, who are, according to the text, have had zero problem identifying where the Messiah, the King of the Jews, will be born. They study the Old Testament. They knew. Sometimes that's what happens to us. We've heard the stories so many times. But I've yet to make a decision about what the text is speaking about, what scripture is speaking about. And so really the sermon I have for you today is, what is our response? Are we going to be like these men? They quoted the prophecies of Old Testament prophets like Samuel and Micah, attributing to the figure of the coming ruler and shepherd of Israel. Those ideas, ruler and shepherd of my people Israel, those ideas seem to, especially in the day that they were living in, contradicting ideas. If you think about it, ruler, the example that they have is Herod. What kind of a ruler is Herod really is? A tyrant megalomaniac. Not a shepherd. And then we have the prophecy about the child coming, who will shepherd my people Israel, who will be ruler, who will have the power and authority in everything, in everything that's, that's um, pertaining to the office of the king. And yet he will shepherd the people of Israel. 
This, this to them, if you apply the two ideas together, we have not been able to find someone like this. And yet, they completely miss, and in fact, they already have. Because at this point, chronologically speaking, we are months, if not a couple years, from when Jesus was born in a manger to where Jesus was revealed to humble shepherds. And so they knew the knowledge, but how did these guys miss what's in front of them? Let me tell you today, the same way that you and I might miss the reason for his coming, the person, the very person that is revealed to us for 2,000 years today. Don't miss Jesus this Christmas. And perhaps that's one of the lessons we need to learn today is that if you're looking for Jesus, and if you're looking for the truth, if you're looking for some light, if you're looking for God, you may have come here looking for something because out there just doesn't make sense. I want to encourage you from God's word surrounding the birth of Jesus that people who were humble enough, the people who are hungry enough to find God ultimately finds him. It was not a matter of ignorance that Herod and the chief priests and the scribes misses out on the signs and the many prophecies and the word about the coming Messiah. It was a matter of the heart. It's volitional. It was a hard problem that God finds these men too proud and too self-righteous, too foolish to reveal the coming of his son to them. He reveals it to shepherds. Humble people. And so here's the lesson. People fail to seek Jesus because they are already full of themselves. There's no room. We need to be careful. Don't be full of yourself. Verse 7. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. And so here's Herod again. And now he's talking to the wise men. Where is this child? Can we find him? Find him for me. I will worship him. And so you're watching this movie and you're just saying lies. Lies. Have you ever done that? You know, when you watch a movie and one of the characters, one of the supporting characters lies to the main character, and, and, and you're just sitting there, I'm like, I'm going to punch you. Because <laughs> you know, especially if you've watched, you know, a movie over and over. How many of y'all are doing that this season? That's the season to watch and binge watch, you know, amazing trilogies like Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit or... I'm going to do that, in fact, with my two sons now. Make them like Frodo and Aragorn. <laughs> Wield the swords of... Anyways. You're just sitting there thinking, man, if only you knew. If only you knew who you're missing out on. 
you wouldn't have betrayed the main character. If he was not so selfish, selfish and prideful and too preoccupied with things that ultimately don't matter in the eyes of God, there's the power, prestige, wealth, legacy, and etc., which, by the way, is not bad in and of themselves. Because remember, the wise men had some of that too. They were powerful men, and yet they knew where to put the levels and scales so that the true worth of the coming king was discoverable for them. They had some of that too. But they know where to put the scales. We're right here. We're seeking for someone who's way above here. And so look how these men responded and observed how not to miss the blessing of this Advent season of waiting for this coming Messiah. Verse 9, after hearing the king, they went on their way, and there it was, the star had seen, the star they had seen at its rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary and his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so, so here, here's a picture of the wise men right there, finally discovers the coming king. And then they offer their gifts. Now, if you study this, there, you, would, you would see some of the commentaries that speak about this. You know, there's meaning for, um, for gold, uh, for royalty, and frankincense for divinity, and myrrh for humanity. You know, and, um, and I mean, you, you know, you could look through the Old Testament to find the images that would uh, give you the correlation of those meanings, which is awesome. I think we need to do, we need to give out, we need to be generous out of our worshipful and grateful hearts that God has given so much to us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And out of that gratitude, then we give. We give to him and we give to others. That's an absolute lesson that we need to learn and hope that we would do this Christmas. But I want to focus on the response that they have for these notable wise men who finds it appropriate for this baby to be worshipped. That through what they've heard, what they've studied, have been exposed to in the Old Testament. Through that, they, through that, they have endured traveling all the way from the East to find the baby who would have been, at this point, still chugging on milk and needing diapy change. Right? We're in that season right now where it's like, man, we're working hard. You know, we're, we're kind of foggy and, and, and we're, you know, feeding, <laughs> feeding and changing diapers. But Jesus, at this point, was still this little child. But the titles, the prophecies, already apply to him. And we know that they are applying the titles and the prophecies to him because even though he's chugging on milk, even though he needs diapy change, they come to bow down and worship him. What response is appropriate to the revelation of this child to you this Christmas? 
the wise men were wise enough to see not only what's in front of them, but also what they came to believe that was prophesied about the prophets. Jesus here, who is still a child, becomes the king of the Jews, the ruler who will shepherd my people, the one who is worthy of worship and offerings. He's not yet, but they find him to be that. Stark contrast to Herod. Stark contrast to the scribes and the lawyers and the priests. They knew so much they didn't do anything about it. These men knew just something, and they do something with what they've learned. And so that's the application. How will you respond to the king, the ruler, and the shepherd? I'm going to invite the team up, and, and um, I believe you guys have a, another song. How would you respond to this loving, awesome, perfect leader that is found in Jesus? The only one who was able to live perfectly in this sin-infested world. The only one who is able to save us from our sin. The only one who is able to forgive and restore us back to God. That's what he does on the cross. Bringing us forgiveness and restoration. The only ruler who is coming back to establish a kingdom under perfect righteousness forever. What will be your response to this king? As you contemplate who this loving leader is that the Bible speaks of this season, my hope and prayer is that you would be open to respond appropriately in reverence and in awe for who the baby truly is, to give him what you have to offer, for which most of us probably isn't a lot compared to the wise men's gifts. I mean, those are gifts of royalty. None of us have gold here. May some of you have silver. It won't be much, and yet, if you give God your loyalty, if you give God your time, your effort to seek Him and serve Him, He will honor it. That's what happens here. That's exactly what happens to the wise men. In verse 12, it says, Being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. The implication of these is this that even though we don't hear again about the wise men, is that God honors their proper response that is worship and adoration, and God in return gives them another dream to protect them from harm's way. Imagine that God is looking out for them. And ultimately, hear, hear me on this, eventually where Jesus grows up and goes to the cross of Calvary, where sin of humanity is dealt with once and for all. Jesus would again protect not only these wise men, but efficaciously he would put himself in harm's way, in a gruesome beating and death on the cross. In place of you and me and every sinful human beings that ever walked the earth, so that forgiveness and salvation is made possible for all. When you put your trust in Christ and believe in Him for who He truly is, you can have a relationship with God and receive a new life in Jesus Christ. And so Jesus becomes to you and to me and everyone who believes in Him a loving leader who will establish true peace with God 
and peace with all men. Don't we need that in the world today? World peace. Only Jesus, out of all the religions that have come up, thousands of them, only Jesus is the one who actually has the answer and is working through his people to establish his kingdom. And finally, when he comes, there will be world peace. Peace with God, our sins forgiven once and for all, and then peace with one another, where nations and leaders will not fight anymore because we're all under the rule and the shepherding of the King of Israel forever. That is who and what we are celebrating in the season. And so my challenge to you is this. I want to leave you with this. Receive Christ today if you haven't already. Speak to me. Speak to Pastor Mike. You can start a relationship with God and receive new life by responding appropriately, surrendering to this king. He offers you life today. If you haven't believed and put your trust in Christ for your salvation, forgiveness of your sins, you can do that today. Talk to us. And then my challenge for you, if you've been a Christian walking with God for, for some time, be reminded and reignited in your reverence and worship for who Jesus is and share that with others this week as we approach the Christmas Eve this, this, this week. May you be able to do that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we thank you for, for, for the men that we can see in the Bible, that we can uh, follow after the examples of, like the wise men. Help us to be wise. Help us, oh Lord, even through the times that we are foolish. We act like Herod. We act like the scribes and the priests. We act like religious people who, who have not been made alive, who are stuck in just religious and, 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 and facts and knowledge, but have not yet contemplated on the truth of who you are. I thank you for leading us. I thank you for guiding us. I pray, Lord, that this week we would be like the wise men. We would honor you, and we would just worship you and bow down to you. We would offer ourselves so that we can be the people you've called us to be and offer life to somebody else. That is my prayer for, for, for us here in New Life. And so help us, Lord. Lead us. Guide us. Our ruler and our shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand and let's worship in response to the message this morning.